Hello and welcome to the Somali Professional Podcast. I am your host, Samira Ali, and you are in the right place for inspirational stories that have A to Z of passion, determination, and grit. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Somali Professional Network. This is your host, Samira Ali, and today I have a very special guest who's taken the time out to come and speak to us and tell us about his journey and what a journey it is. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Abdibasid Ali Rage. Abdibasid, welcome to Somali Professional Network. Samira, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. So lovely to have you on the show. And I'm really, really excited for you to share your journey with our guest. So, Abdibasid, without further ado, I would love for you to give us your one-minute pitch. Wow. One-minute pitch. Um, yes, so... Um, I uh, I live in Norway. Um, we uh, we've been here for almost I don't know it's ages. Uh, we got here from uh, Somalia back in the early nineties. I grew up in Oslo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is where I settled, Alhamdulillah. And um, and as maybe you know, I'm also a psychotherapist. I work within the mental health field. And I also study a lot about the human mind. And um, it's very fascinating field to be in. And I also recommend your audience, if anyone is uh, curious about this, to investigate more, mashallah. Oh, absolutely. Now, that's a fantastic pitch. And absolutely loved hearing that. And um, obviously, when you got on the show, I just realized I, I said Abdibasid, but I didn't say Abdibasid is a well-renowned psychotherapist as one of the one couple of hats that you wear because obviously you wear different hats you're a psychotherapist you're an entrepreneur you do a lot of community work which is obviously how i met you i met you via um the somali professional network when you were doing a the melbourne conference and that was fantastic because obviously we got to hear about your journey and i thought and i remember listening that day and thinking okay this will be really really great to share your journey with other people and hear more about it so basically with every day how the show goes is that we would like to find out from our obviously we know you're abdibasid we know you're a psychotherapist um, but what we want to know is your journey abdibasid like how you got to where you are who is abdibasid ali rage what is you (laughs) we're gonna go deep dive in (laughs) and how do you feel about that are you scared well you know i also discovered that guy not too long ago at myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i uh i think it's been a few years back and uh and it was pleasant meeting him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Don't worry, Abdibasid. We all go through a self-discovery journey. I feel like I, I'm still finding myself every day. <laughs> I don't know how that sounds from a psychotherapy <laughs> aspect. You know, maybe do I sound a bit cuckoo? I don't know, but I, I feel like I'm still finding myself every day. And well, let's schedule a session after this. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> 
I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. Honestly, I think I definitely, uh, everybody, they say everybody can do with a therapist, you know, and okay. that's something that I'll definitely take you up at some point. But going back to the original now with you, tell us who is Abdi Basid and going back, how, uh, like, you know, I would love to know, like, Abdi Basid, what were you like, you know, in terms of like, you know, as a child in school, sure. did you like school, for example? What were you like in school? Yeah, so I um, I was very social person. I uh, liked more of the people and the friends and more than the subjects. So my favorite subjects I remember were, were PE, like physical education. Mm -hmm. And uh, other uh, like geographic I also liked, but uh, like the mathematics and science were in my uh, strongest uh, Side. So, um, growing up, I was very sociable and uh, I played were you a lot. Popular? Were you the popular child or were you the non-popular and cool kid? <laughs> um, I think I was the popular one in the class. In the popular crew, okay. I wasn't in the popular crew, so it's all good. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, and I played basketball. I That, that was something, um, a sport that I spent a lot of my... Uh, childhood and uh, teenage years and uh, alhamdulillah i uh, actually reached quite far i um, had the opportunity to go to usa and uh, play high school ball which was very uh, interesting and um, very knowledgeable for me in, in terms of basketball uh, skills. That's amazing. That's prestigious. So you actually got to go. You were so good. You actually they, they were flying you to america to take tournaments as well. That's exciting. Uh, it was not all determined, but I stayed there for a year with uh, as an uh, exchange student. Ah. So, uh, and my uh, former basketball uh, coach was from Illinois, and he advised me to, if I wanted to go to U.S. for basketball in Illinois or Indiana, where the state's basketball yeah. state. So, uh, alhamdulillah, I ended up in Illinois, a place uh, called Springfield, which was about two hours south of Chicago. Oh, amazing. And how was that the American experience? Did you enjoy it? It was one of my best years. How old were you when you went there? Uh, I was about 18. Oh, okay. So, okay. That's nice. And how did your parents feel about you going? Were, were they excited? Were they a bit like, oh no, don't go play basketball. How were they like? <laughs> well, Alhamdulillah, my parents were very uh, supportive through the whole journey. MashaAllah. Uh, dad, uh, may his soul rest in peace. Allah Very supportive when it came to basketball. And mom was supportive too, but he was also uh, into what shoes I wore, what basketball gears that I would use. Uh huh. Very so, hands on. Um, you had a hands on dad. Yes. Amazing. So uh, unlike many other uh, Somali parents in the community at that time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so Alhamdulillah. But they, and um, I don't think they came to watch my games though, but uh, otherwise they were supportive. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I bet you the reason for that is you must have had younger siblings, right? Yes, we were a family of six. They, same as me. So when you're one of six, you know the priority is they just have to focus on the others. I understand. 
you know, you've got the support, but they're not going to be there for you most of your games because the priorities, right? Like, you know, the different children, <laughs> you got to look after them all, right? Absolutely. But uh, Absolutely. alhamdulillah, that was very nice. Though, and, uh, that's a nice memory. Oh, that's wonderful. And then, so basically, Abdibasid, so after basically, you know, you were very good at school, you shared your favorite subject, you liked VE, you liked geography, you said you really liked mathematics, which is unusual because a lot of people don't like maths. So, which actually shows me. I like maths, I didn't like maths. Sorry. If <laughs> okay, that's okay because I was gonna say, okay, I was like, oh, you like maths too? I was like, okay, then why? Okay, I take that back then. So, basically, you like, did you say you like geography? Yes. I That's it. I, I, yeah, I'm maths and geography together. <laughs> so, but uh, yes, exactly. So, so you, what happened actually uh, after a USA experience, I uh, enjoyed traveling more. And alhamdulillah, I was fortunate enough to travel many parts of the world. Um, and I was also advised, since I love traveling, why not study uh, tourism? Mm-hmm. Is that when you finished, like, is that when you came back from the USA, people told you, why did you study tourism? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then? And I'm like, yes, that's maybe that my field. And I went all the way to Sydney to do that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh -huh. So you went from Norway all the way to um, Sydney so you can study travel and tourism. Was that college at university or, or like university. a course? Oh, amazing. Oh, fantastic. And how was that? It was a very good experience, but I quickly discovered that uh, the service in industry wasn't my, um, uh, I didn't have passion for it. You know, I wanted to work with human beings, but not from uh, being assisting people in hotel setting, you know what I mean? Like yeah. service industry. Yeah. You were like, so you realize basically that's not your calling. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then where did you go from there? So I came back uh, in Norway and started working with uh, youth as a social worker. And I did that for a, year, a few years. And what and made you work with the youth and stuff? What made you out of like, what instead of like, obviously, you know, people, when they think of youth, they think of maybe just going to like, I don't know, working in a school or in a college. But what made you work in the youth? Is that for the community or? Yeah, so it started with uh, the basketball community. Um, so uh, we... Um, the idea was brought from a friend of mine. He was very well known in Norway. And um, so by uh, inviting youth from the streets to basketball and then working with them from, from there uh, was the idea. And Alhamdulillah, we succeeded. And uh, I've been working with that for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we had very good results. And uh, the the kids that we were working with were uh, like uh, hardcore kids, you know, uh, really deep into drugs and uh, other criminal uh, uh, environments. Oh, I see. So they had challenging situations. Very, unfortunately. Yes. So, um, and studying uh, this uh, mental, like psychology and um, practicing uh, mental health, um, you know, uh, we're our history early in years and childhood has impacted us in so many ways and, yes, and yeah. it manifests itself and in adult lives and their late teenagers 
Correct. Is that the, I mean, I don't know much about um, uh, uh, psychotherapy and stuff like that, but I think one phrase that I've learned in the last couple of, um, I would say actually during lockdown, I mean, um, to our uh, to our listeners, I'm not sure when you're going to be listening to this episode, but Abdibasid and I actually are doing this interview now during the pandemic of 2020, and the date today is June 26. So as we speak, actually, it's uh, um, we are in like a global pandemic, and a lot of us had a lot of time on our hands. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, I can speak for myself. I did have a bit of time on my hand, but I know Abdibasid has been very busy in this time with his um, work and obviously advising people regarding the mental wellness which is obviously something that obviously is vital but in this time I was going back to the uh, thing that I said that I've, I've learned the phrase recently and it actually made me think wow and it's called childhood trauma that goes with you uh, to adult life so it's called child trauma mm-hmm. is that yeah. the one yeah yeah, you can say that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, unfortunately, we're so all these things are happening uh, in a uh, unconscious level, right? Yes. So uh, people always see uh, people the, their behaviors, and without giving them any uh, excuse or any uh, uh, trying to understand what is making this person behave the way he or she is doing. Yes. So uh, I'm, we're very quick to judge. And uh, a lot of their behaviors are not socially uh, accepted. Mm-hmm. Like in, when you look at the person um, and look at their timeline, and uh, unfortunately for many of them, they have a terrible uh, upbringing. It's full of either emotional or uh, uh, physical abuse or emotional abuse. Or neglect. Neglect, yes. Yes, yes. So it's like all three, basically, and that can damage you. Even if you don't have all three, if you just have one of them, it can be damaging in later life, right? Yeah, unfortunately. So, so that must have been very challenging for you, obviously, working in those circumstances. How did you get through every day? And now? No, how did you get through working? Um, so you oh. said when you first started working, um, well, um, when you were t- talking about your journey, you said you started working with youth to begin with, and you did that for 10 years. So obviously in those difficult challenges, circumstances, when you first obviously put your foot in there, how did you cope? Uh, what was your coping mechanism to basically continue? with? Obviously, you're seeing all these hardships, but you, you had to continue day in, day out, and be that strong person for these youth. How did you cope? Yes, and the thing with uh, the, the youth in that situation is because of the ne- neglect that you just mentioned, they used to be neglected and they would do anything so you also can neglect them. Uh-huh. So yeah, and just standing in uh, persistent in, in their uh, environments and always showing up and not backing off, uh, it's going to take time and they will keep doing whatever they can to push you away. Like once you get inside their circle, then you're able to, um, to able to influence them. Yes. And, so, uh, yeah, Marka, um, and in terms of coping, uh, at that time, I was not good at coping. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have any particular tools that I used. I was just working. I was really and uh, so engaged with the work and uh, sorry so you kind of forget yourself do you think you had a burnout 
Well, I, I'm sure I had it, but I wasn't aware of it. At the time, basically, yeah. I didn't know it was called a burnout either. <laughs> yeah, at the time I had it. And, uh, and those term, burnouts, they manifest themselves in so many different ways. And you're always thinking, yeah, it's not the work, it's something else. You know, it's trying to um, uh, give it a different meaning. Yes. Marshall. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm theoretically, sure it's useful. Sorry. Theoretically, you know a lot of stuff, like you practically, when it comes to you, then you, it's different. True. That's true. No, absolutely. I agree with you. So the youth were really like lucky to have somebody like you, obviously working with them. And then from there on, basically, I mean, you said you stayed there for 10 years, right? Yes. And, and then what happened after that? What was your yeah, and uh, so those ten years, I also got involved with the uh, uh, with the um, uh, mosque and the social work at the mosque and, mm-hmm. and the mosque, which is called Tofiq Islamic Center, which is the largest uh, Somali mosque in all Norway. And um, I started working there as a volunteering and as a family and a youth uh, counselor, mm-hmm. and also work with the uh, authorities and representing the mosque. And that too became really uh, challenging because it was so much work to do. And uh, the majority of Somalis in Norway have relatively uh, very little um, stay in Norway. You know, they've been here maybe maximum 10 years, the majority of the people, uh-huh. which is uh, not long actually. Um, Compared to the so, other communities, yes, correct. Uh-huh. Exactly. So that brings, and that um, it's a lot of challenges and um, involved with that issue too. And in terms of integrating with the, to the society. And the language. The language and the way we raise our kids. is a lot of conflict between Somalis and the childcare services, for instance. Yes. So that became too much of a burden to bear. Uh-huh. So that was full on, basically, that was a full on role for you there. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, and what did you do from there? And in the meantime, I was um, taking all these different courses at the university and I just couldn't complete any. Because uh, you had no capacity for anything else. Exactly, I didn't have capacity, and the biggest capacity, I didn't have mental capacity because it was the, uh, that's one of the things that made me study specifically about stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was forced, I was forced myself to cut the ties. I um, handed in my resignation and uh, I said I will work with my people, yes, but not uh-huh. from this angle. Yes, okay. So you moved on from Tawfiq because basically, so you could obviously pursue your um, next journey. Yes. Yes. And I remember, uh, ever since I was little, I was always curious about psychology and different theories. And, and it started in form of, uh, I was interested in dreams. Uh-huh. Dreams. And then that led me to 
be more interested in thoughts and how they function and where it's originated and all these things. Amazing. That sounds really interesting. And then, so, so when you went to study that, was that in a formal, obviously for anybody who wanted to, wants to get into the field that you're in now, is that like a formal course from um, university that you did? Or like, did you have to go to a specialist center? Uh, you could do it. It's uh, both available. And I would love to consult whoever is uh, interested in that field, inshallah. Inshallah. Okay, yes. Okay. So you studied. So you said you studied that. And then what happened from there? Yes. And uh, so from my time working with the community, I remember uh, struggling with people and advising people to seek a therapist because um, there were also a lot of parents who were traumatized. Mm hmm and that's when I really f and found out how and much of a stigma and it was relating to mental health in our society. That's true. Yes, exactly. I think you're like the only um, brother that I know who's doing, um, who's a therapist, because a lot of the people that I know that are doing therapy, it's, it's a lot of the females normally. So it's really good that you have representation because especially with the Somali community, I feel like obviously, you know, um, we all have, like I said, we all have trauma, whether it was the fact that obviously, you know, that you're um, a new immigrant or an older immigrant or the fact that, you know, we, we all have challenges as well. And uh, especially with us, obviously, like, you know, we, also with the men like you know there's a lot of men who have trauma as well and i think it's good that they have somebody like you oh thank you um it's true because um uh in all societies men uh are brought brought out to not to talk about their emotions correct toxic masculinity is that the term exactly so what that means is and the way human mind functions is um if you and uh, the upbringing was don't show emotions you're a man be strong and that's how the mind uh, works and it calibrates itself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that viewpoint and uh, just hold on uh, samira okay no problem i'm back samira hello hi <laughs> uh, sorry no problem so um so when the young boys and men are brought up Think and uh, to um, not show their emotions, uh, the brain then understand showing emotions as weakness. Correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. So whenever a, a young man tries to show the or talk about his emotions, then, then the mind says, "No, you cannot do this because it's linked to your survival." Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that's where the toxic phrase of "man up" comes from, isn't it? Exactly. And don't cry, don't show your emotion and stuff like that. But I, I completely understand. Also, I think um, it's the whole thing where if you show your emotion, you're considered weak. And I think that obviously happens to the young generation as well as the older generation as well. Because I remember like, obviously like, you know, me, obviously like you know when I was in school and stuff like that and I'll come home and like just I'll cry about something my mom will even say so I think obviously with the with the with the toxicness I think it also happens obviously when you're um, male or female as well and then, and then you cry about something minor and then they say to you don't cry don't cry like you know suck it up you know and Sorry. and and it got to the point where even like I think even when you're working somewhere and I never said to my colleagues or anything, oh, I'm struggling because you didn't want to seem like, you know, if you say I'm struggling, you, you seem like it's weak, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true though, it's true. And uh, so what happens is 
the more someone suppresses these emotions, the longer they do that. So these emotions will come to surface and in different ways. Yes, exactly. So one way or another. Uh, it comes as a as really um, bad behaviors like uh, engaging with uh, either illicit drugs or uh, other sorts of crime because uh, also they have the increase of testosterone. Yes. So which makes them also more aggressive. And the girls deal with this in different ways. So, uh, so there's a term called good girl syndrome, which means that the girls will cope with this being good at whatever task they're giving, like uh, being maybe a, a good student or uh, um, how could I be? A workaholic. Workaholic. Yeah. You know. So some so, way to cope basically through this. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that's what it's called, good girl syndrome. I'll definitely learn something new. I'll definitely look that up. And I think that's the English term as well. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, that yeah. makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. So basically, you, so you basically went, you deep dived into all of these issues with your clients. And, you know, obviously, like with your clients, Abdibasid, is it mostly um, uh, Somali or would you say you're, you're universal? You have all kinds of clients and like, you know, like fully inclusive and diverse or, would, or you can't focus on certain clients at the moment? Yeah, I have all sorts of clients and like, the majorities are Somali, and again, the of, of them are majority Somali young women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the men you have more female very... clients than male clients. Yes, so uh, that's obviously that's... understandable because, like, we talked about toxic masculinity, isn't right. it? Yes. Yeah. So and... what I did uh, the last since 2019, I. Uh, um, Travel a lot within the Somali and other uh, African and uh, also Middle Eastern communities to educate these communities about mental health and present this in a term that uh, eliminates uh, the stigma surrounding the mental health. Well needed, mashallah. And how are they taken when you speak to these communities and you've been traveling? How what has the reception been? Well, Alhamdulillah, uh, it's been very good. And Alhamdulillah, I think Allah has given me this ability to connect with them in different levels and uh, to talk about such a uh, sensitive um, topic in a uh, calm and, uh, um, yeah, and normal manners, if you understand what I mean. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, like I've said, I haven't known you very long, Abdibasid, but from but, but I can definitely see why you're good at your job, if that makes sense, because you're, you're somebody who's very calm. I mean, when we met, I remember one of the things that obviously stood out for me is the fact that you, you practice what you preached. <laughs> and uh, I think I'll share this with our listeners. I remember we were in a car journey on our way to one of the events with Abdibasid and a couple of the other speakers and um, what's, uh, and what it was is we were talking, I, I think I was feeling really stressed that day and I think I said it out loud and I said, oh, I feel really stressed right now or whatever, or I'm not going to do this because I feel really stressed. And one thing Abdibasid said to me straight away and he said, no, don't say that out loud because you become what you are. So don't say that out loud. And I remember thinking, huh? Hold on. <laughs> Do you remember 
that. Uh, you, you were like thoughts become action and you went on. And, and But the way you went on, you didn't go obviously as in like, you know, like lecturing me or whatever, but you did it in such a subtle way that it actually made me just think wow. back. And actually, you know what? I must not speak, say, I'm just stressed out because that's how I'm going to feel for the rest of the day. And I just saw this calmness about you. And I remember thinking, oh, I can definitely see him being good at his job. You practice what you preach. <laughs> Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that, but thank you. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And, and that was just like a little observation. And and, I, and, I, and one thing is, I don't know, I think maybe Abdi Basid, I don't know how he feels about me sharing this, but I remember one of the things as well that I remember as well is you, again, you practice what you preach. Abdi Basid will just go quiet out of nowhere. And, and then we'll be like, and then five minutes later, we'll say, hey, are you okay? And he'll say, yes, I'm okay. I was just meditating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did that too. <laughs> I, 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 no, but honestly, like, you know, for somebody, obviously, of, oh, who doesn't know you and stuff like that, it, it was really good just to see somebody who's taking the whole mental health really seriously. And, and you know, when you see, you, you lead by example. Wow, thank you. Now you're going to make me sound like I'm this guru. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you are an expert in your field and stuff. And you know what you're, you know what you're talking about. Because at the end of the day, if I'm going to go to, um, obviously, like, let's be honest, with, the ther being a, uh, with therapists, a lot of people nowadays, anybody can call themselves therapists. But obviously, we know there are people who worked really hard. They've done the, um, uh, what's it called, accreditation. They've done the work, like Abdibasi did. And on top of that, as well as just doing the work, he actually practices what he preaches and i think it's important if you're going to have a psych a therapist especially a psychotherapist you actually know what this you have a taster session with them so obviously even though i was never a client of yours it was the way that obviously you packaged yourself and the way you actually just represented what you do but you, you did not do that as in like oh my name is this is what i do but it's the way you practice what you preach and i think that's fantastic so that was my observation <laughs> Wow, thank you. Because uh, as you said, I um, well, I, whenever I learn a new theory, I uh, first of all I examine myself, and everything that I've learned that I apply it to myself, and uh, I'm also trying to um, convey that instead of uh, trying to pursue or something, you just be it. So whenever you you are it, if you do, if it does make sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, just be it, you know, whatever you're trying to achieve. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I, I think that's the way forward and it's a fantastic um, quality to have and stuff like that because they say don't advise somebody what you uh, to, what to do unless you walk to mile in their shoes or you actually know what it is. So how could you be saying to somebody don't stress when you're constantly always stressed, you know? And like I said, we, I mean, we all stress, but at the end of the day, it's about finding ways to cope and finding ways to actually make ourselves better and have the whole self-journey. And um, I, I really love the whole topic of mental health, and you know, and, and I think I could talk about it with you forever. Um, but, oh, we've seen, yeah, uh, but we're getting close to the time, and I, I just thought maybe, like, in the last minute or two, Bassett, if it's okay yes. with you, I thought maybe you can tell us about, like, you know, share with us, like, just to get to know you a little bit more and stuff. What would you say your biggest life lesson was? Wow. Um. Or one of your biggest life lessons. So obviously, we all have lots of life lessons, but what would you say is one of your biggest life lessons is for anyone who's listening that they want to just get one or two ideas from you? Well, I, and one of them, 
has to be um, figuring out that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he created this universe and whatever is within the universe, he also uh, gave, there's a law governing everything. Mm -hmm. So trying to understand these laws, and especially the law called uh, law of um, cause and effect, causality. Mm -hmm. When I really understood that, it was so uh, kind of like uh, set me free. Mashallah. Uh -huh. Knowing that actually I have 110% the control of how I interpret whatever that is going around in my external reality. Mm -hmm. So learning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us this power, which is how to interpret whatever the external reality presents to you. Yeah. So the everything is going to happen and the external reality will always keep happening. Like in, you have this unique way of what meaning you give it to. Yes. So finding that out was one of my biggest lessons and it just set me free. I could relax so much. MashaAllah. Alhamdulillah. So uh, those were definitely one of my biggest lessons. No, that's a beautiful big lesson and stuff like that. Fantastic. And uh, what would you say with, with our listeners that are currently listening at the moment, what would you say basically for somebody who they just say, you know, um, we have those moments where we all feel overwhelmed and stuff like that what would you share a quick hack what would be the quick hack that for somebody who's feeling overwhelmed or like you know to take a breather who basically has zero knowledge of normally or normally is not in tune with their minds and their hearts that you can just say actually whenever you feel overwhelmed next or whenever next time you panic or you're feeling stress this quick one minute two minute hack will help you what would you say is that under pressure <laughs> oh that's fine um, so, Samira, uh, you have probably heard me talk before, and uh, you have also, I think, uh, from Australia, remember me talking a lot about conscious breathing. Uh-huh. I remember and, that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that actually does miracles because it just takes you immediately out of the bubble you're in, that uh, the survival mode. Mm-hmm. So, by consciously breathing what do i have to do if i i can't remember what, what do i have to do for conscious breathing again yeah so breathe, breathing itself is unconscious behavior right yes so and what stress does to us is we only get enough oxygen to have the heartbeat going like in, it's not the health way of breathing so yes. breathing is just sitting or standing loose and just fill up your lungs as much as you can, like breathe, inhale for maybe five, seven seconds. Okay. And, and hold it for about three, four seconds. And then exhale five to seven seconds. So okay. if you do that, uh -huh. um, if you do that about three, four, five times uh, in a row, um, then your autonomic nervous system gets message that you are out of your, uh, the survival mode and now the body goes back to homeostasis, which is the normal, healthy, functioning state. I see. Ah, that's the science part. That's the science part. And everything goes back, like 
digestive system goes back to working your muscles you know a lot of people have neck neck and shoulder pains yes and all these are due to stress absolutely absolutely that resonates and stuff like that so literally subhanallah by what you've just shared now is it's like such a quick hack and it's so useful that basically we just need to exhale sorry inhale and exhale for a couple of seconds each and basically be mindful of that we are actually doing it a couple of times and basically this will become a habit so is this something that you do when you're feeling overwhelmed or overwhelmed or would you say you should do this quite regularly like at least once a day what would you advise oh you do that as many times as you can because what also it does is when someone is out of survival mode, they start living. They're not surviving anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're going to thrive. That's how we're going to thrive, not survive yeah. anymore. Because mm -hmm. a lot of mental capacity will be freed up that goes to your creativity and whatever you want to uh, manifest. Correct. And that's the, and I think for the whole manifestation episode, I think we can do a whole episode on that alone don't you think oh i would love to uh, reflect with you on these topics exactly exactly that will be a really really good topic because that's the whole chapter on its own and it's really exciting and i absolutely love that subject it is and i think a lot of uh, misconceptions out there too so about what it is actually exactly exactly no that's fantastic no thank you so much for that Abdibasid. but thank you so much Abdibasid. honestly it's been fantastic and what i'm going to do is as well as i'm going to share your links and everything like that on the page and yeah, um, yeah. people can contact you and um and, and how would you like people can you just tell us what your instagram handle is just and your um just for our listeners your instagram handle or whatever social media that you use and obviously i'm going to share that too yeah, so the Instagram is abdibasid.a.m. Mm -hmm. And uh, the LinkedIn is abdibasid Ali Muhammad with single M. Excellent. Yes. Okay, I'll share that for you. Yes. And are you active mostly on Facebook or is it Instagram and LinkedIn mainly? Uh, mostly on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn is a more, uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, Instagram that I try to post uh, motivational uh, contents. Contents, yes. Excellent. So if you're not following Abdi Basid, dear listeners, please do go follow Abdi Basid. You're going to get a lot of gem advice and a lot of contents where you can actually think, okay, aha, I feel like, you know, you've got a lot of aha moments. So I think if you are into that, you're into self-improvement and more than anything, you know, you want to have conscious life definitely please do contact Abdibasid. But Abdibasid, thank you so much Walalo, for your time. Thank you, Samira. It's uh, been lovely catching up with you. And um, yeah, I hope I get to invite more because it was fun. Absolutely. We're definitely going to have a second episode <laughs> to be continued. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Somali Professional Podcast with your host, Samira Ali. Join us again next week for another wonderful, inspirational story.